Hi, my name is Josh Bashinsky, and welcome to Hack Your Brain via Meditation. I have been meditating for over 20 years. I have a master's degree and PhD ABD in neuroscience, psychology, and philosophy. I have a TED Talk called The Future of Google Search and Ethics. I also have three black belts, and I've been doing internal Asian-based martial arts for over 30 years. And I'm going to show you the secrets I have learned and the amazing ways we can hack our brain through meditation. Last week, we covered some basic concepts, including uh, some Eastern and Western meditative methods. So today, we're going to cover some more concepts. And then, of course, at the end of the lecture, I will, of course, give a meditation lesson. So let's jump right in. The first question I want to tackle today is, can I meditate even if I'm religious? And the short answer is, yes, of course. Uh, for thousands of years, uh, meditation and prayer has been the method of the Western meditative uh, discipline. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's been subsumed to one of the three great monotheisms, Islam, Judaism, or Christianity. Uh, there have been many mystics and Sufis over the years, and many wise and holy people who have used meditation to hack their brains tremendously. Even in the more martial arts kind of way of thinking of meditation, of the holy warriors, of, of Templars using meditative and prayer techniques to uh, to improve their physical prowess, to control their emotions, to focus their emotions. So there is even a tie-in to the uh, more contemplation-based uh, meditation, as well as both Zen meditations and trying to focus your emotions, the, the Buddhist, more Buddhist meditations, what I'm calling that. But also the more outer-focused martial arts kind of ways of doing these meditations as well exist in the West in their own ways, as with the East. So of course you can meditate. In fact, I would argue you'll be chiming into a, a much more rich and a much more in-depth experience that is going to help you with your meditation and it's going to help you get better. It's going to help you get stronger. It's going to help you be more focused. Meditation is going to help you get control of your life and have a better life. And this comes from both the Eastern traditions and the Western. And when you put them together is what we're doing in this course, then you really have very powerful uh, secrets to hack your brain. Can meditation offer a spiritualism? Of course. Um, I try to, uh, talking about meditation, it sounds a little hokey, and I do other uh, businesses online. I have another YouTube show about uh, search engine optimization. And so some people from that area might stumble into this one and vice versa. Uh, and uh, sometimes teaching meditation uh, sounds a little hokey. Uh, you know, I, I have to speak in metaphors. I have to speak in, in poetic language. And so, uh, and the yawning, it can seem uh, a, a little much for some of those people from other disciplines. But uh, without danger of sounding uh, in that realm of sounding a little bit hokey, and I'm trying to keep this as science-based as possible as well, but not ignore the secrets I've learned from the ancients as well, to give you the maximal possible value of hacking your brain. And this, this is how I've been able to construct a very powerful a very powerful uh, program of how to hack your brain using both the ancient secrets. Some of them are just amazing secrets. Like if you've been watching the course already, and if you haven't, you should go back and see the first two lessons. Of the Buddhist idea of some genius thought up at some point of how to spin the clouds or break the clouds. Who thinks of that? That, that was just absolutely brilliant. And, but also some of the Western brilliance as well of the concept of the good, Plato's brilliance of understanding what is the best thing in life, what is the goodest thing in life. It's the concept of the good. It's the concept of positivity. It is the permanent universal uh, truth of, of positivity and goodness and optimization and superior value that once you start really understanding this concept and feeling this concept, you will feel value, you will feel positivity and it will in, in, infuse your life. 
So, um, and I find that all of what I've just said to be spiritual. That's what I mean when I talk about spiritualism, which of course I'm not going to talk about very much because again, it sounds a little, I'm come from a science background. It sounds a little hokey, but it doesn't mean that it can't have a very positive life. It doesn't mean you can't have a very enthused life. It doesn't mean you can't have the kind of the benefits that spiritualism provides. It's about having a, a, a more soulful experience. And I think that's exactly the remedy that a lot of people need. A lot of people are suffering from uh, not anxiety and depression like I am, and many people are. They're suffering from the opposite. They're suffering from something called nihilism. And nihilism is the nothing. It is the lack of anything valuable. It is the lack of anything meaningful. And many, many, many people in this age are suffering from it. And in future courses, I'll explain why. This was a direct attack against democracy from an enemy of democracy in, in one or two centuries ago. And it is working. And that attack is, is sadly hurting and destroying us. Uh, someone purposely tried to ruin your life. And that's why uh, centuries ago, amazingly, and that's why you're feeling the nothing now. You feel like nothing matters, nothing's important. You know, you have your chips, you have your snacks, you have a little bit of sex here and there, but really the, the, the peaks and valleys of desire satisfaction that uh, Augustine wrote about, the Roman, uh, also the Catholic saint, Saint Augustine, for those of you who are in the Catholic tradition, uh, so wisely wrote about, that's the only thing that is powering your life right now. There is nothing more deep and meaningful, and you're looking for it. You think being with someone is going to work, but it doesn't. You think having children are going to work, but it sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't fill that hole you have inside that you just keep stuffing food and drink and, and people into and try to fill it, but it just doesn't get filled. Why is that? Is there something wrong with you? No, there's nothing wrong with you at all. It's just you have not encountered the good. You have not encountered the remedy to nihilism. And sadly, someone centuries ago has tried to destroy your life because he thought democracy was, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is a pretty close quote, ugly and stupid. And Democrats, people who live in democracies, were ugly and stupid and whiny and uh, finger-waggy and, and woke. He hated this. Those, those weren't the words that were, they were called at the time. He called them different words, but it's the exact same concept. He's tried to destroy us. So uh, this spiritualism... Can meditation help with spiritualism? Yes, it is exactly the remedy we need right now. These concepts and these practices are exactly what's going to make your life better and what's going to help you with your life and make your life better. And it's going to help the defeat the nihilism and uh, give something, give you something to live for, make, give life meaning. And the meaning can only be the good. Which dovetails directly into the final question I was going to cover today before getting to the lesson. And is, can I learn proper morality from meditation? And the answer there is yes, of course you can. Now, I don't want to um, mess with anyone's moral system that you might already have, uh, unless, of course, you have the wrong one. Then I would be duty-bound to tell you about the right moral system. So I'm not going to give many moral lectures. I have books on that if you want to know about my books. I have a book on the good. I have a book called On Morality. Uh, you can read about that there. I'm not going to talk about that too much here in the course. I'm just going to get into meditation so we can get hacking our brains and have live better lives. But the answer is yes, of course. The, the most moral morality, the goodest moral good, exists in all of the concepts and all the techniques that I'll be showing you.
And so rest assured, for those of you who are looking for a spiritualism, who are dying for a spiritualism, who are looking for a morality, who are looking for some way to complement your already wonderfully good religions and give it a little bit more context of what some of even your ancients talked about, uh, Rambam, Al-Farabi, Boethius, Augustine, I've studied these masters, and of course, they all knew very well what I'm talking about. And somewhere along, somewhere along the way, we've lost this knowledge, and I'd like to bring it back and, and help enthuse and infuse all of our spirits with, with a good or good. All right, so that's the lecture for today. Sometimes it's long, sometimes it's not. I'd like to get right into meditation today. Today, I'm going to show you, a, uh, we're going to do a review of what we've covered last time very, very quickly in terms of a practical method. I'm, I'm not going to cover concepts too much. And then we're going to get into some Zen methods today. Very interesting, different kind of methods than we've talked about previously. So what did we talk about previously? Well, we talked about uh, my favorite Buddhist method, spinning the clouds. Very quickly to go over that again, you should watch the previous lessons and uh, you should be following along and hopefully you've been practicing because it does take some practice to master. But trust me, trust me, if I could somehow communicate to you how true this is and how powerful this is and how this is going to affect and change your life, I have been clinically diagnosed with anxiety and depression and this has largely cured me of it. Almost this one technique alone. But you have to practice it. If you don't practice it, then it's not going to have this effect for you. You have to believe me. You have to trust me that this is going to have a profound effect in your life and you want to practice the spin the cloud method. You need to practice the spin the cloud method. So what is it? Well, it's feeling your feelings. And go back for previous lessons for more information. It's feeling your feelings, feeling where they are in your body, feeling how they feel, all your emotions and feelings simultaneously. And then feeling which way they're moving, what kind of movement in four dimensions they have, almost like a musical movement or a physical movement. And then consciously breaking that, stopping that movement, breaking the flow, breaking it again and breaking it again and going in deeper and breaking more and breaking more. You don't have to use hand movements, but you can. And breaking more and breaking more until you shatter it and chop it into slices and pull it all apart until it is completely interrupted and destroyed. And that's the result. And that's your reward. One of the ways that I know I've found a powerful system to hack the brain is that I have some evidence in that I can make people yawn. And yawning is well known in science and by anybody who's paid attention to yawning to calm people down. It's what you do before you go to sleep. You yawn because your body is naturally trying to calm yourself down so that you can start the sleeping process. And the problem with people who are suffering from emotional problems, um, the agitation ones anyway, not depression necessarily, but rage or anger or upset or anxiety, they're getting too agitated and it forces the limbic system to make what they call a fight or flight or freeze judgment. Now, it's not a rational judgment like we do with our neocortex in the front of our brains, like we're, we're weighing options and predicting uh, outcomes. But the limbic system does do a rudimentary form of this in the fight or, uh, flight or fight or freeze reaction based on kind of how you're feeling and a little bit of input from the neocortex. Sadly, we want to make more input from the more rational parts of the brain into that. And that's exactly another way we found to hack our brain. I could feel myself getting excited talking about it because I love talking about these concepts. And then immediately my training kicks in and 
calms me back down. Did you see how that worked? Very interesting, right? That's what I want to do for you. The danger, and this is what I'm talking about, the danger for someone like us who have anxiety is that we get too worked up and we have that, like I said, that eight-lane pathway, that larger neural pathway to uh, making a negative judgment in that fight or flight or freeze appraisals. It's called, some psychologists call it an appraisal. It's not quite a judgment. It, it, your, your limbic system appraises danger or appraises safety or appraises a moment for, for carnal action or appraises you know these kinds of different basic situations. And the limbic system is the brain that all, all beings uh, down, down the all uh, developed beings share. Of course, you know, the limbic, there's the reptilian brain and the limbic brain, the mammal brain over top of it. And then the neocortex grew over top of that. And we just keep developing new brain systems and putting it on top. And pretty soon our skull is going to be this big with new neural apparatus running in there. So spinning the clouds uh, takes those emotions and try, starts to physically get control, I think, this is my hypothesis, physically get control of those systems and brings the, brings the whole attitude down. Another way, and that's the reward, and the, the proof, some of the proof that I have that I could prove to you that it works is that the yawning happens. And we all know yawning has to do with calming down, and I can trigger it in myself and make myself do it. I feel like I want to do it right now. In fact, I'm stifling it a bit to, to keep talking. Although I'm breaking my own rule. I said never stifle a yawn. You should always let yourself yawn when you feel like you need to. Your eyes will get glassy as well. You see how my eyes are getting glassy? That's another... Uh, um, piece of evidence I've seen that you've you a physiological response that something very interesting is happening in the brain when you start uh, uh, practicing these techniques the next uh, concepts we talked about that you should go back and review is the concepts of enthusiasm slash excitement uh, the concept of gratitude and the concept of the good now enthusiasm and excitement has two modes you can be feeling enthusiasm or excitement for outer things, like I'm pumped for my interview today, I'm pumped to do this meditation today, I'm pumped to do this course today, I'm pumped to learn more about meditation, I'm pumped to learn more about what Josh is doing, I'm pumped to learn more about what's going to happen with this and what, what good results you're going to have with it. You're going to have good results with this meditation, you're going to have good results with this course. And that is easy to do when you're feeling it. And that's just taking the horses. They're like, you know, grabbing the reins and say, nope, we're going to good town. We're going to make a good appraisal instead of a negative appraisal. We're going to make a good appraisal about what's going to happen instead of a negative appraisal about what's going to happen. It's going to be good instead. That's kind of how you're in the Western way of things through the neocortex and the, the, more, uh, the more developed parts of the brain. You are trying to get direct control of the limbic system. Now, as we all know, Sadly, those of us who suffered with anxiety and depression. You can think things are great all you like, but would you get deep into that funk, the difference between us and everybody else is they can usually think their way out of it. They are done the horror movie and they go, oh, I'm done. And that, that fact that, the, that the, the more developed part of the brain appraises has an effect on the limbic system. It goes, oh, and they feel the carthesis. And they go, oh, okay, I'm all done. I feel good. They've you know, cleansed themselves of all that negativity because their brain said it's over, relax, and it worked for them. The problem is, for those of us who've been too scared for too long or too depressed for too long, we get stuck, and the neocortex can, and the frontal part of the brains cannot control the limbic 
portion of the brains enough. And we keep thinking it's bad. And we keep thinking we're in the horror movie, even when it ended five years ago, right? And PTSD is, of course, similar. These are all distinct, different uh, classifications and, and illnesses and diseases. I'm, I'm not not blurring them all uh, in any bad ways. But they do, of course, I think, all work on this process. And so enthusiasm outer, the outer mode, and excitement, the outer mode, is when we're feeling actual excitement, and you know when you feel excited. Um, pay, we of course, well, that's the problem. You don't always know when you're excited. And we need to learn better ways to know that we are excited and to feel, oh, I'm quite excited. I'm, I'm agitated. Okay, I'm a little ramped up. All right, okay, fine. That in itself is not a problem because excitement can either be good or bad. It's what are we excited about? And we need to stop being excited for the bad. And we start to need to feel to be excited about the good. So we can feel excited about the good things that are going to be happening. We can be pumped about the good things that are going to happen. And when you're not actually feeling excitement, that's excitement outer mode. We're being excited about out things that are outer to us, that are happening. Uh, and when you're not feeling excitement, you're just like, oh, I'm not feeling excitement at all. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling down. At least you can tell yourself you're enthused. You're, you can fake it till you make it on enthusiasm. You can feel You can say, I'm enthused about the good. I'm enthused that this is going to happen. I'm into this meditation. I'm into this program. I'm into this. I know it's going to work for me. I'm enthused about this program. I know it's going to work for me. And so those are two very important concepts that neuroscience has some evidence behind that they work. And I, I just demonstrated the enthusiasm self, the enthusiasm internal mode, where you're actually not feeling excitement for anything external. And you're not feeling enthusiasm about anything external. You haven't been, the muses haven't spoken to you about a new musical piece that you're going to make externally, you know, uh, to put it in the Greek way. Uh, you haven't become enthused. You haven't felt that enthusmos about uh, something, oh, an idea for my work. And, you know, that would be enthusiasm outer. You're, you're doing enthusiasm reciprocal. You're feeling enthusiasm about enthusiasm. You're being enthused about being enthused. That is a trick, that's a brain hack that can never be taken away because it's self-evidently true, right? You're enthused about being enthused. It's internal. You can be excited about being excited. I'm, I'm pumped for being pumped. I'm pumped that in the future, at some point, I'm going to be pumped. And that's how you find something good when everything else is terrible. Everything else could be, and, and here's a little, another little brain hack secret that we need to go over. Nothing is ever terrible, by the way. Nothing, as Shakespeare says, nothing is ever good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And that is one of the most profound statements that any human has had in the history of human thought. And of course, it's all predicated back on Plato, on Plato's conception of the good. And when you understand these concepts, you realize that there's nothing bad, there is nothing wrong ever. It is just a judgment, a subjective judgment that you make. And you need to judge that things are good, actually, and not bad, because they're actually good. And so one of uh, so there's a whole cluster of brain hacks here that I'm going to unpack. I'm going to take them apart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean them off. I'm going to say, look at all the little brain hacks we have here. Look at all little, our little brain hacks. And they're all related to each other. So I can kind of have to talk about all of them in relation. And so enthusiasm, excitement, outer is for outer stuff. And you can also do enthusiasm, excitement, inner, or self, or self-referential, when you don't feel and you can't fake it, you're faking it, you're faking it, but you're just not feeling it, it's just not working, then what I do in that moment 
is I turn it inward. I say, I have enthusiasm about enthusiasm. I, I feel I feel optimism about I'm going to be optimal. Sometime in the future, I'm excited. That sometime in the future, I'm going to be excited. I'm pumped that I'm going to feel pumped in a good way sometime in the future. And that, when you practice that enough, uh, and all this requires practice over time, but when you practice this enough and you believe it and you fake it enough, you will start to make it. You will start to feel a beneficial effect from doing all this when you practice. And you are going to practice this. And it's going to go over time. And, of course, one method alone is not enough. It's not for my brain. My brain is a slippery beast <laughs> that's like, oh, yeah? You think you're going to stop me from feeling nervous? Watch this. And it brings up a new trick. And then I have to wrestle with that for years and then finally come up with how to fix that. And, and so, knock on wood, this big block of wood here. Uh, I've been able to, 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 to do this and reflect on it in a way that now I can teach it to people because it's so important and so precious what I've learned, all the secrets I've learned, the hacks I've learned. I want to share it with the rest of the world before these gray hairs catch up with me. Okay, so that was enthusiasm, excitement for the outer self. Gratitude works on the exact same principle. There's gratitude outer, and that's pretty simple. You're feeling gratitude because someone just did something really nice for you, and you're like, oh, thanks, man, and you dive into the gratitude. You make yourself feel the gratitude 10 times and in a positive way. You're so, you know, hashtag blessed. I know it's hokey. I know it's, I know it's smarmy. I know too many people use it too often in ways that are probably not hashtag blessed, but it's that feeling that probably somebody first felt when they, when they, when they wrote hashtag blessed and it was a genuine feeling and a genuine thing to say and not a hokey, uh, a hokey false thing to pretend. Yeah, which I shouldn't care about at all. Hashtag blessed. Fine. Fake it till you make it. Tell yourself you're blessed until you are blessed because that's how you become blessed is tell yourself you're blessed until you become blessed. And so, again, it, you know, it, it rubs me the wrong way to see, you know, people with their silly, you know, hashtag blessed. I'm, I'm eating a Sunday today. Hashtag blessed. You know, that's a little sarcastic, but fine. I mean, but that's feeling gratitude for something outer like that Sunday or that nice thing that people did. And it's nothing wrong with giving yourself a little bit of treats and a little bit of self-medication. Again, your, your doctor outranks me. If your doctor has said otherwise, then ignore what I just said. Your doctor outranks me. So, But gratitude works the exact same way. When you have nothing outer to have feel gratitude for, then you feel gratitude about the concept of gratitude. Gratitude is a great attitude. Neuroscience has proven that the concept of gratitude and adopting it and feeling it is going to help with your anxiety. That is proven by science. That is rock-solid fact. You just need to practice it enough. And then I needed to add more on top of that because my anxiety was really bad. I had more on top of that. And so I have more hacks to go on top of that. And you can feel gratitude about gratitude. You can feel gratitude is a great attitude. Wow, what a great attitude gratitude is. And just repeat that to yourself until you f and try to feel it. Trying to feel it is the key. You can repeat the words in your brain as much as you want. It's you're trying to feel all of the enthusiasm, excitement, and gratitude. And why does that work? Because of the last concept I talked about last week, which is the most important concept that human beings have ever discovered. The concept of importance. Nothing is more important than the concept of importance. Right? The concept of value. The concept of positivity. The, the conglomerate concept that, that Plato called the good. Agathos, and we call it the good in English. It is the most positive, the most maximal, maximally positive, maximally good concept 
that will shine, uh, like uh, Plato used the metaphor in the cave, his cave metaphor in Book 7 of the Republic, that the good is the sun, and it is the sun. It will shine into your life and shine into your heart, and it will beam out of your heart, and it will beam into into your life and make you more soulful, make you more contemplative, and make your life more good. The gooder couldn't be gooder, right? And I hate the bad English, but the gooder is is almost a better way of saying the good because it's not just the good; it's the gooder. It never ends. It is a it is a is a graph with no top, and the good just shoots out to infinity of goodness. And once you really feel that, you contemplate that. Once you really feel that, that turns to turn your soul towards the good, towards the sun, is the. Uh, is the metaphor that Plato used, and I'm I'm the Socratic character who is turning your head towards the sun. It's blinding you at the moment when you finally appraise it, when you finally see it, but eventually your eyes will will uh, will be able to to uh, to appraise it and feel it, and you'll be able to know it with your whole brain, and that's going to have a profound effect on all of your your being. Now, that's something. That's seeing something. That's doing something. What about the more Eastern methods that try to do nothing, that try to seek the nothing, that try to seek oblivion, that try to make you oblivious? There is some value in these methods, uh, not only for the martial arts, but just for your own normal experience. And today's lesson is going to be a Zen lesson. Uh, And I call these more Zen methods, the ones that are trying to remove and strip away the kind of methods that are looking at paint drying. And just zoning out, the zoning out methods. So the Zen method I want to show you today is very fascinating. And it's called bilateral stimulation. It is a stimulation uh, to affect the the different hemispheres of your brain, the left and the right. And by stimulating the different hemispheres of your brain, by having a kind of stimulation, uh, the, the, the kind of stimuli varies, and we'll get to that in a second. It actually, science has shown that it can trigger the limbic system to start processing your emotions. And uh, that's what you want. You want the limbic system to process emotions. You don't want to bottle up emotions. You don't want to stop emotions, at least not for too long. You could do that in an emergency situation, and I will teach you how to do that in the future, how to bottle up those emotions and contain them and so you don't process them right now. But you do need to process your emotions. The emotions are like the food that comes into your body. The events that happen to you are like food that comes into your body. You need to process that and then let it go, or you'll be very, very sick. And so that metaphor is quite apt. You need to process your emotions. You need to digest your emotions. When you start doing so, the parasympathetic is going to fire, and you're going to feel gurgling. It's a processing of the mind, the body, and the soul, and the emotions. So the bilateral stimulation trick, the hack, I'd like to show you today is very simple. You can do it anywhere in the world, and it also um, will start uh, dealing and uh, hacking another beautiful little brain hack. Uh, I've got so many hacks wrapped into one here. It's wonderful. Uh, that uh, For those of you who uh, are aware of physiology, you know that there's a nerve cluster, a plexus, in your feet right behind your toes. So there's an arch of your toes. There's the big toe, and there's an arch. Like if this was a foot, there would be a big toe, and there's an arch. Right here in your foot, right there, is a nerve plexus that contacts up into your adrenal system, up into your up into your uh, abdomen. And that is another way to hack and get at too much adrenals, too much anxiety being uh, flooding the system. So what I want you to do, imagine these are your feet. 
What I want you to do is I want you to squish these toes and squish these toes. Squish these toes and squish these toes. And it's best to do it on a carpet. And what that is doing, and I want you to do it hard enough that you can feel it quite strongly. What that is doing, that uh, squishing your toes like this, is going to start a bilateral stimulation that is also uh, key in uh, the EMDR method of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder uh, therapy that uh, I believe the Israelis uh, uh, first came up with. And that is going to help process your emotions and calm you down, and this seeks a more oblivious state. This is why I lump it in with the Zen methods. And so you keep doing this with your feet. You're feeling yourself getting calmer. You're feeling yourself becoming more oblivious. You're feeling yourself when you keep doing this with your feet. And you can do it slower. The slower you do it is less stimulating. Sometimes if you do this really fast, it's too stimulating. So you need to slow it down, especially for people with PTSD or anxiety. You need to slow this down. And your eyelids are going to get heavier, and you're going to get more and more calm as you do this with your feet. You're doing it with, I'm showing with my hands, but you're doing this with your feet. And then why do I like the feet? And I'm going to do it under the table as I'm talking, so I'm going to get more and more sleepy and tired. You do this with the feet because, like I said, it's going to help... Uh, tweak those nerve clusters right behind the toes, and that's why you do it as strong as you can to make sure you're getting those clusters involved. And it's almost like a foot massage when you do it on the carpet, and so I think it's, I hope and I hypothesize it's hitting those clusters. It seems to calm me down. But not only this, you do it with your feet because you can do this in any almost any situation you want. You don't have to move. You don't have to show anyone else you're doing this. This is your secret little brain hack to calm yourself down at any time at all. You're sitting in a meeting. You're feeling stressed. This might help you a little bit. If you feel the blessed yawn, that's all the negativity coming out. So that's a good thing. Let the yawn happen. Embrace the yawn. Feel the yawn. Yawn through the yawn more as much as you can. Your eyes are going to get glassy as well. You see my eyes are getting glassy there. That's telling you that all this limbic stuff is working together. And so I want you to continue that method. I want you to practice all the stuff we've been practicing. I want you to think about the good, think about gratitude, and try to apply it to outer stuff. Try to apply enthusiasm and excitement to outer stuff. And if that doesn't work, turn it on in, in on itself. And gratitude, the concept of gratitude always exists. You can feel gratitude, that gratitude exists. You can be enthused for enthusiasm. You can feel excited for the good. You can feel excited that you're going to learn more about the good that the good is going to help you, that the good is going to be more uh, prevalent in your life, and if the good is going to be a concept that's going to light your life and fill your soul with, with uh, positive, relaxed, soulful emotions. So that's our lesson for today, and I'd like to see you practicing that. Please remember to like and subscribe somewhere down at the bottom. I can never remember where it is on the left or right. Please remember to like and subscribe somewhere on the bottom. If you could like and subscribe over here or like and subscribe over here, I would appreciate it. And please make sure to continue with your lessons. And I genuinely wish you to have the best possible day. And we'll see you for the next lesson. Bye.